Let's do this. So the moment you pick up a wine bottle, you don't really know what's in it. What I'm really concerned about is sugar intake. You've got really these huge companies making 90% of everything you see, but you don't know that. On point. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of On Point. I'm your host, Taylor Burke, and today we are going to learn the truth about what's actually in our wine and dissect the wine industry from the founder of Dry Farms Wine, Todd White. Hi, Todd. Hey, Taylor. Great to be here. It is so awesome to have you on. I've heard so much about you and so much about your brand. I'm excited to dissect it and learn a lot of knowledge from you. Yeah, there's a lot to know. Oh, I know. And I know you know all the facts. So people often say wine hangovers are the worst type of hangovers unless they're drinking an all-natural wine. I've learned from listening to you speak about the wine industry that drinking non-natural wine has terrible negative side effects. But not only that, there are many toxic chemicals in our wine too. So I'm super excited to dive into that. Why don't you start off by telling us your own personal health journey and what led you to go into the wine industry? Well, Dry Farm Wines was never really meant to be a business. I love wine. I've been drinking wine since I was nine years old. I have a lifelong adult relationship with drinking and with wine. And I started practicing a ketogenic diet about eight years ago, therapeutic ketogenic, which is super hardcore. It's not really sustainable for virtually anybody. It's very high fat. It's a very restrictive and somewhat boring diet. Unlike the modified ketogenic diet that I remain on today, which is a little bit more flexible, but still keeps me in ketosis. And then as you mentioned earlier, before we started recording, I only eat once per day. And so eating once per day puts me into ketosis anyway, just from this kind of mini starvation. Before ketogenic diet became mainstream, there were researchers publishing about it in the biohacking community. And so I'd started experimenting with it. And then about the same time, I found that I was having an adverse relationship with wine. And I didn't know why. I thought it was just the alcohol. Sometimes people go on a ketogenic diet, they have a change in their relationship with alcohol. So I, just quite accidentally, in looking for lower alcohol wines, I stumbled across the natural wine revolution, which was just getting underway in central France at the time. Now natural wines are quite well known around the world. Eight years ago, nobody knew what a natural wine was, including me. So people say, what do you do? I say, oh, I'm in the natural wine business. And they were like, oh, well, aren't all wines natural? And they're not for the reasons I'm going to describe to you and also describe some of the things that we believe lead to wine hangovers, if you will, that are very different than other types of hangovers, particularly red wines. But let's start with sort of how we got here with wine, because all wine used to be natural. We started getting unnatural wines in the beginning of the 20th century. In the 1920s is when the advent of chemical farming came to agriculture. Now, this is a very important thing that happened to the earth and to farming and to our health. So in the early 1920s, we started using chemicals on agricultural products. So today, the reason that's really important as it relates to wine is because less than 5% of vineyards worldwide and only 4% of vineyards in California are farmed organically. Grapes are number eight on the dirty dozen list that holds the highest residual of chemicals from pesticides and herbicides in fruits and vegetables 
in the world, number eight. Oh, wow. Right? And so when we are ingesting these chemically farmed fruits, we're getting residual from the chemicals in farming. So that's really kind of when it started. And then it accelerated as the decades went by. And the same thing that happened in the food industry has happened in the wine business. As an example, the state of California publishes their annual agricultural report, which is about an 80-page report. But inside that report, it shows grape farming, wine grape farming, and what percentage is organic. Everything I'm going to tell you, you can verify easily with a Google search because some of it's pretty shocking. Or you can go to our website at dryfarmwines.com, and we've published all of the scientific sites and all of the information that makes it easy for you to do your own research and see what we see. Mm -hmm. As the decades followed chemical farming, then something else happened in the wine industry is very, very important to why you're getting toxic wines today is that the wine industry went through the same consolidation or in private equity on Wall Street, they call it a roll-up. And so the wine industry consolidated, meaning that most of the wines that you see in your grocery store, in your bottle shop today are made by just a handful of companies. Now, they don't want you to know that, so they hide behind thousands of brands and labels. But statistically, the top three wine companies in the United States make 60% of all U.S. wines, 60% by just the three. And the top 25 wine companies in the United States make 90% of all wine. The reason that's important is because they use a bunch of chemicals, both in farming and winemaking, to make wine at scale and to make wine cheap, right? Because this is all about greed and profits. It's not about your health. This is not about how you feel or what you're drinking. It's about them making more money. These are boardrooms, not wine cellars. Right. And these wines are made not in cellars, they're made in factories. So these factories, which are located in Central California, are multiple football fields large. That means as far as you can see, these are huge, huge factories. And that's where this wine is made after it's been chemically farmed and irrigated. And then there's a bunch of additives and toxins that are being used in wine. So you've got really these huge companies making 90% of everything you see, mm -hmm. but you don't know that. No. I have a question for you, Todd. Why would these wine businesses want to sell it to these companies to have them make it? Like, Why wouldn't they just want to keep it in shop? The way the business works is that most grape farmers don't make wine. Grape farmers farm the grapes, right? Usually with chemicals in 96% of the time. And then they sell that fruit to these companies. And then these companies ferment and make the wine. Got it. Most of the companies don't grow their own fruit. So you've got two kind of sectors. You've got the growers. This is the conventional huge industry. You've got the growers that sell their fruit to the buyers, which are these factories. There's 76 legally approved additives for the use in winemaking. Some of them, in fairness, are natural, but many of them are not. Mm -hmm. And the truth is we don't know a lot about the side effects of these additives, because there's not been any real research on it, but let me describe to you what some of them are. Two of them are acute toxins. So the U.S. government has a database of chemicals called PubChem that's managed by the National Institutes of Health. That is also a government agency. It's formed under the FDA. But the interesting thing is, you see, in wine, it gets a special carve-out. So wine is not regulated by the FDA like other food products. If it did, it would have a contents label and nutritional information on it. But wine got a special carve out, has no oversight from the FDA. Why? 
Well, because its oversight comes from the Trade and Tax Bureau, the TTB. The TTB is not in the business of your health. The TTB is not in the business of oversight to ingredients or chemicals. The TTB is in the business of generating tax dollars. That's why it's called the Trade and Tax Bureau, not the Food and Drug Administration. See, the FDA oversees all other consumables. So wine gets this kind of special carve-out. Now, this is because in Washington, D.C., the wine lobby, which is very powerful, and the politicians, they're in collusion. So in Washington, D.C., money is exchanged for special favors. That's how business works in Washington. Wine gets a great deal on this, which is why, by the way, that there's no ingredient label or contents information or nutritional information on any wine bottle. So the moment you pick up a wine bottle, you don't really know what's in it. You just assume it's wine, mm -hmm. but that's not true. Now, the primary lobbying organization for wine in Washington, D.C., on their website, opposes transparent labeling, including nutritional and ingredients label. But I wonder why. Well, because they don't want you to know about the 76 additives I'm about to tell you about. And so if ingredients were disclosed, the, the additives would be on the wine bottle which they don't want you to know about. And the reason that they cite that they don't want the ingredients on there is that they say there's not enough real estate on the wine bottle to list the ingredients. Not true. And they say it would be confusing to consumers. Not true. Right? So your listeners and I want to know what I'm consuming and put in my body. And so I want to know what the ingredients are. I don't want to know what the nutritional panel is. One thing I'm primarily interested in is I don't want to be drinking sugar. So these 76 additives, two are acute toxins. Acute toxin is a clinical term that means a single dose or multiple doses over a 24-hour period can be fatal. That is the definition of an acute toxin. And all these classifications I'm giving you are from the National Institutes of Health we just talked about a moment ago, a different government agency. Twelve of these additives are considered health hazards. Eight of them are made from black molds, including ochratoxin A, which there's no required testing for mold in wine in the United States, although there is in Europe. Four of these additives are derived from six different animal organs, including pig pancreas and cow stomach. Now, all of this is on the list of approved additives, but they make it a little tricky to see, but we've put all that on our website for you to see the government documents. See, they all they want to keep this a secret, except I've told a few million people about it, making me public enemy number one in the wine industry. Have they reached out to you, Todd? No, not specifically, but there's not much they can reach out and say to me because this is all true, all documented, all government agencies. And, you know, there's not much they can say other than, oh, this guy's just trying to sell his wine. Well, th that's true. I, I, that's how I make a living. I do get a decent paycheck for selling wine. That's true. But that's not what this is really about. What this is really about is the discovery of these healthier, better wines changed my life and has changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of other people. And while I make a good living doing that, my real goal was to help people like me, regular wine drinkers, experience what I experienced, which was an elevated experience in my health journey and my drinking. Right. And speaking of drinking, let's stop there for a minute before we go further, because people are like, well, you know, if you're worried about all these toxins, alcohol is toxic too. And there's breaking news out recently saying that ethyl alcohol in any amount is not healthy. I happen to agree with that. 
I believe alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin. Some people shouldn't drink at all. And if you don't drink today, I'm not suggesting that you start. My life might even be enhanced if I didn't drink at all either. But you know what? I love wine and I'm going to drink. So the fact that alcohol is toxic is just another reason why I should know more about it. But here's the thing. If I'm going to drink alcohol, which I agree is toxic, and I agree, and I've always said, I don't think that alcohol is healthy for human animals at all. But that being said, it does bring a lot of joy in my life, and there are some benefits to it. If you're going to drink, then I want to help you think about how to drink in a smarter, better way. And so, you know, one of those things might be, you know, for a lot of people that's drinking tequila or some distilled spirit that is clear and pure. Well, I don't disagree that many distilled spirits, not all, but I don't agree that many distilled spirits are pure and additive free. I, I would agree with that. My problem with spirits is that they're 45% alcohol. And so I don't want to drink high alcohol beverages. In fact, just the contrary. I want to drink lower alcohol and I want to drink a natural product that is organically farmed and additive free and lower in alcohol and sugar free. At Dry Farm Wines, we have the basic standard that it must be natural wine. And then Dry Farm Wines, we have a certification that is over and beyond just being natural, that relate to health issues that we think are important, like sugar-free. Not all natural wines are sugar-free. Lower in alcohol. Not all natural wines are lower in alcohol. These are just requirements that Dry Farm Wines has. But what is a natural wine? So a natural wine has three cornerstones. One, natural wines are always organically or biodynamically grown. And biodynamic farming is an advanced prescriptive form of organic farming. So it's beyond organic. Number two, this is the most confusing, is natural wines are always fermented with wild indigenous native yeast. Now that's a mouthful. What does that mean? Well, on the skin of every grape at the time of harvest is a white waxy film. That white waxy film is actually wild native yeast that was collected in the air in the vineyard where the grape was grown. It's on every grape in the world at the time of harvest. However, conventional or commercial wines do not use that yeast in fermentation because it's difficult to work with. It's temperamental. You can't make wine in large volume with it, and it'll die in a high alcohol environment. And so natural winemakers only allow the use of the wild indigenous native yeast for fermentation. So when they make wine, they don't have to do anything to it but press it and put it in a tank. And when the yeast comes in contact with the sugar, it'll start fermenting itself in what's known as a spontaneous fermentation. Not true for commercial wines because you can't make wine in large volumes and this native yeast is difficult to work with. It's temperamental, like many things in nature, just temperamental and wild. So what they do is they take sulfur dioxide, one of the acute toxins in the additive list, they pour it into the tank, they kill the indigenous yeast because they don't want these yeasts competing with each other. Then they inoculate the juice with a lab-cultured GMO yeast. Now, this yeast is modified to be strong, sturdy, easy to work with, make wine in large volumes, and it'll withstand a higher alcohol environment. These GMO yeast are what are used to make virtually all the wine that you see out there, and they're lab cultured. And you can buy them in flavor profiles. If you want to have a pineapple overtone in your Chardonnay, 
you can buy yeast for that. Oh, wow. Just like you might remember during the pandemic in the sourdough baking craze, people would always be trying to get the mother yeast of some friend who has like this superior yeast because yeast all have different flavor profiles, but you can modify them in the laboratory to have specific flavor profiles that you want to put in your wine. Well, we think that's all kind of creepy. That being said, the third is that natural wines are additive free. And so they don't contain these 76 additives. Dry Farm Wines takes this certification process beyond just being organic, native yeast, and additive free a few steps further. So in our case, as I mentioned earlier, we lab test uh, and publish that our wines are sugar free. We also lab test for alcohol. And the reason we do that is because alcohol stated on a wine bottle is not required to be accurate to be legal. So if it says 14.5% alcohol, it could be as high as 16% and still be legal. So we lab test for alcohol, for sugar, for sulfites, for other toxins that are in wine to ensure that not only is it natural wine and organically farmed, but it also meets all these other criteria, lower alcohol, sugar-free, and no added sulfur dioxide. So sulfites, which people believe may be causing them to get hungover, are not generally the case. Sulfites are naturally occurring in any fermented food. So anything that's fermented has sulfites in it. What's making people give, get a, a wine hangover is typically sugar and other additives. Now, sugar's not added to wine. It's not how it gets in wine. But the problem is with these additives, we do know that sugar exaggerates a hangover. And you'll know that because if you've ever drank three margaritas, that's a very different hangover than three shots of tequila, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we know sugar and alcohol are not happy playmates, and they lead to a heavier, nastier hangover. That being said, what we don't know in wine specifically, what we don't know is what's causing exactly what's causing all of these side effects, including, you know, flushness or tightness in the frontal lobe, or sometimes people get wheezy or splotchy, hot flashes, hangovers. We don't know exactly what the cause of all that is because there's no scientific research around these additives as it relates to hangovers. Here's what we do know, though, and millions of people have had this experience. What we do know is when you drink a conventional wine and you have these adverse effects, they're not present when you drink natural wines. And so there's something that's being put in the commercial wines. We don't know if it's the yeast. We don't know if it's one of these 12 health hazards or a combination of them. There's just no way to know what it is. What we do know is when you drink a natural wine, you have a very different and more elevated experience. And guess what? It tastes better too. I'd love to tell you that if you leave this additive out or this combination of additives out, you know, you, you'd be okay to drink this commercial conventional wine, but we don't just don't know. Yeah. And so what we do know is that when you remove them, all of them, and you lower the alcohol and you get rid of the sugar that you feel better. And you get to enjoy a better wine experience, a more elevated experience with your wine. So that's sort of the long and short of why I drink natural wines and why I recommend to other people who are particularly regular wine drinkers. So if you're drinking wine several times a week or even nightly, then this 
education and information is more useful to you because you're consuming the most amount of these toxins. Right. So my first question to you is the alcohol regulations. You mentioned in the beginning that it was written between 1925 and 1935. The regulations for alcohol, most of them in the federal regulations were written in the 1940s, and they're extremely outdated. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. They have not been touched since then. More or less, no. And one of the big problems that's led to consolidation of these big wine companies is something that was written in the early 1940s known as the three-tier system. And the reason this system was developed was to keep organized crime out of alcohol distribution. Right. I was researching too that there was a lawsuit that you started or someone started like 19 years ago and nothing has come from that. So 19 years ago, a nonprofit in Washington, D.C. called a Center for Public Science Interest filed a petition with the TTB, actually the Treasury Department, which oversees the TTB. They filed a 16-page scientific petition 19 and a half years ago now. That petition, which was well-cited and 16 pages long about why there should be transparent labeling, ingredients labeling, and nutritional information on alcohol products, and specifically wine, sat dormant in somebody's desk, crushed by industry influence for 19 years until the Center for Public Science Interest this past October, October of 22, filed a federal lawsuit against the Treasury Department. Now, these lawsuits are fairly common. This doesn't mean that transparent labeling or nutritional information is coming to a wine bottle near you anytime soon. These lawsuits can drag on for a decade or two. This is the same group that got no added sugar and had was very instrumental in uh, nutritional information on food products, but that took 20 or 30 years to get done. But this lawsuit was filed. We support it because we believe nutritional information. And on our wine bottles, recently, we were able to get the government to finally agree to allow us to put nutritional information on wine bottles. So our new wine labels, which are coming out now, all of our bottles, while we were already publishing this on our website, you could go to our wine library and you could see these tests. It just wasn't on the wine label because the government wouldn't allow it. So we finally got it approved, and now our new wine labels on all of our bottles contain full ingredients, lab testing, and nutritional panel. That's awesome. Yeah, we thought so too. Just like, it was just an unbelievable act of burden to get them to allow us to do it. You would think it would be like, oh, this is great. Yeah. But they don't want us to do it because they don't want to bring this attention to the public. Especially for our listeners, we have a lot of wellness people who like to count their calories and know their intake. And so, I mean, unless you're Googling like, you know, rosé. Well, even then, the calorie count is not published. It's not required to publish. I can tell you, generally speaking, you know, calories in a wine glass, they're ranged from 75 on the low side for sugar-free wines to, you know, maybe 125 on the high side for wines that contain sugar. Same thing for carbohydrates. It's going to be very low for sugar-free wines and then higher for wines that contain sugar. You know, if you want to average it out, you call it 100 calories a glass for a five-ounce serving. For me and how I think about caloric intake or calorie restriction, what I'm really concerned about is sugar intake mm -hmm. and maintaining a level balanced blood glucose. Uh, actually, I find that when I drink our wines, that my blood glucose actually drops when I drink in a fasted state with a 
continuous glucose monitor. And I think that's from the alcohol. Todd, I also want to talk to you about the clarity of wine. I've heard you mention this before on other podcasts, and I found this really interesting for people who don't really know much about natural wines. The wines that we buy in the store are completely clear. And after doing my research, I found out that the natural wines have more of a cloudiness that indicates that it's more healthy. Talk to me about that and how they use those animal products that you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, how that makes it clear and all that. Well, the clarity in wine, technical term for that is lipidity. And so in order to get an increase in lipidity or clarity of wine, there are several processes that are used to achieve that. One of them includes some animal organs. It's called fining. And so there are two methods for increasing lipidity or clarity in wine. That would be filtering and then fining. Natural wines are unfiltered and unfined. So therefore, you may or may not experience some degree. It's not going to be super dense, but you may see some cloudiness or slight cloudiness in a natural wine because it hasn't been fined or filtered. Related to coffee in this way, if you drink a drip coffee, it's it's very clear. If you have a French press, on the other hand, or an espresso, it doesn't have a filter on it, then you're going to have some very minor sort of granulation, right? Because it's actually got these super, super tiny particles of coffee that pass through the liquid, which you don't have with a filter. Wine's kind of the same way. So while you may experience a slight degree of cloudiness or what, you also get a much more interesting texture to the wine. We believe it's healthier and adds soul and complexity to the wine that you don't get in a wine that's been filtered or fined. But Animal products are generally used in the fining process. Among those, fish bladders. Egg whites are also used in fining. So if you're vegan or you care about animal rights, then this is something that you would be interested in. Totally. And I actually have the list here. It's cow liver, pig stomach, pig pancreas, fish bladder, pig and cow stomach, egg whites, and cow pancreas. Yes, it's true. When I read that, I was mind blown. I, I feel like vegetarians, vegans have no idea. All of this information is public. And you've obviously read directly from the list as well or seen this list. But it's, yeah, it's it's pretty staggering. And I'm not vegan, but I generally care about animal rights. I think it's pretty horrible what happens to animals. And so you don't have to be vegan to care about, you know, how animals are treated. Right. But it's just unnecessary to have these products in the use of winemaking. It's just not needed. That's what I mean. Like, I'm not vegan either, but I also don't want that in my wine, right? I feel like there's a difference. Here's the thing. So the wine industry is taking this point of view. They say two things. The wine industry says, we are compliant with all federal regulations on disclosures. And that's true because there are none. And the second thing they say is, these chemicals and these additives and these animal organs are not used in amounts that are high enough to be harmful to you. And I say, okay, fair enough. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But if I have a choice of drinking wine without any of it in it, then I don't have to drink these products and chemicals and additives and toxins in any amount. So I just say, as, you know, as, as somebody is concerned with my health, wellness, longevity, and you know, I'm practicing modalities like fasting or cold therapies or heat treatments or fitness or whatever your 
modality is a, a diet, any kind of a diet is a modality. So I'm going to do all these things and hope that I can extend my health span. So if I'm going to drink wine, if I'm going to consume alcohol, which I happen to enjoy and brings a lot of joy into my life and I think makes my life a more colorful and a lot more fun, this is a wine joke. Guy goes to his doctor and he says, doctor, you know, do you think I'll live longer if I stop drinking? And the doctor says, well, it'll sure seem like a lot longer, <laughs> right? And so that's kind of how I view it. I like drinking wine. It's fun. And fun probably adds to my longevity. So does the community of bonding with people over alcohol. Is it toxic? Yes. But I choose to drink it. Here's what I don't choose to drink are all these toxins and additives and derivatives from animal products and all. I don't, that's not necessary to be in wine. And so if I'm going to drink wine and I care about my health, that means I'm going to drink lower alcohol wines. I'm going to drink usually in moderation, sometimes not. Hey, have you heard about Vagaro? It's the best place to book hair appointments, facials, and even workout classes. They have a huge marketplace where you can find local beauty, wellness, and fitness businesses that fit your exact needs. Plus, with the Vagaro app, you can book services and classes whenever, wherever. Who knows? Your new favorite self-care business could be a simple search away. Download the Vagaro app. That's V-A-G-A-R-O to get started today. Hi guys, if you have listened this far, thank you. And I hope you're enjoying all this wine knowledge. We just wanted to bring it to your attention that at this point in the podcast, the audio quality of Todd's microphone went down. However, keep listening because his messaging is still on point and you don't want to miss it. Todd, do you only drink wine or do you also drink liquor? No, I do not drink spirits. None. No, I don't drink spirits because the dosage of alcohol is too high for me. My goal was to regulate my alcohol intake, but I like to drink. So I'm not like a one glass guy, right? I'm not even a two glass guy. That's the reason I like to drink lower alcohol wines. So sometimes if the setting is appropriate, I'll even add water to my wine. You know, cold, like a white wine or rosé, and I'll add cold spring water to it to further reduce the alcohol level. So I'm able to drink more. I don't want to get messy. I'm not trying to get drunk. I just want to get high, right? And I also enjoy wine. So I, I like the ritual around wine. I mean, a study came out last year. People who exercise drink more. Is there, you know, some correlation? No, of course not. Here's the deal. Why people that exercise drink more? Because they like feeling good. You know, why do people exercise? Because it makes them feel good. Why do they drink? Because they feel better or they're having fun. And so there's no relationship between exercise and drinking, except that the type of people who typically drink also like they exercise. They like to feel good. Right. Todd, do you work out every day? I do. Do you ever feel like if you drink too much, it affects your workout? No. no I, mean, I, only, drink, I only drink natural wines. So it does not affect my workout. In fact, I don't wake up with a hangover. If I wake up and I feel like I drank too much, like I'm just a little bit off, within 10 minutes of cardio, I'm done, like out of there. I mean, what's the best thing to do if you're a little foggy from drinking? Work out. There's some side effects to working out, like looking better, right? Having a better body, maybe 
being a better shape. But the real reason I work out is for mental health, right? I mean, there's nothing like working out that keeps me mentally aligned and, and my brain chemistry aligned. And so if I did have too much to drink, but remember, I only drink natural wine. So I don't get up with a, what you would think of as a hangover. Natural wines equals no hangover. Well, I mean, that's not fair to say. I think I think it's fair to say you're going to feel very different and better from natural wine. But if you drink enough alcohol in any form, you're going to suffer from a hangover or some description of it from dehydration, lack of quality sleep, if you drink enough. But what you will experience is a very different type of feeling in the morning when you get rid of these additives, sugar, and chemicals. You won't experience what you would experience if you're drinking conventional wine. But if you drink enough alcohol in any form, you're going to get a hangover. It's just that in lower alcohol, natural wines, you'll experience a very different feeling. My question to you is, I know you don't drink liquor, but does this still, the same kind of thing happen in the liquor industry where they don't put the additives? Only in certain craft situations. Many tequilas have additives in them as well. You have to know your drug dealer. You have to know your farmer, right? I'm sure that there are pure, exceptional, additive-free, organically grown, you know, that those are out there. I don't know anything about it. But yes, I believe that they're available. Okay. Another fun fact is that you have mentioned before is that alcohol should not be drank during the day. The moment you start drinking alcohol, you stop burning fat. So we should wait later until the day. I think drinking during the daytime is just a bad idea in general. And I don't recommend it for anybody. Certainly not for people my age. If fat burning is among your objectives and certainly among my goals, I believe that staying lean is a key part of my health journey. There's also studies that report that people who weigh a little bit more, don't necessarily have an unhealthier life. So I'm not, I'm not here to prescribe my way of life for anyone. Being lean just feels better for me. It has slowed down my aging acceleration. And it's, I believe it's a key part of my health and wellness journey, but I'm not here to say it's right for everybody. Just like I only eat once per day, fasting is not right for everybody. You know, I don't eat certain things like sugar because it's not right for me. So I have a lifestyle and a prescription that works for me, and that's the one I follow. And, and it seems to work for many other people as well, but it's not one size fits all. I'm also curious about your diet. I have so many questions. You only eat one meal a day. I want to know like what time of day, how many calories do you snack? I don't. So fill me in. Only thing I consume before my meal, I haven't eaten since last night. The only thing I consume are tea, water, and coffee. And so I do drink caffeine, either in the way of tea or coffee or water. That's all I consume. Not a nut, not a seed, nothing uh, until I eat tonight. It's five o'clock here. I'll probably eat at six. And then I have a, um, a charity dinner on the beach at seven, but I always pre-eat before I go to any of these events because for two reasons. One, I'm probably gonna drink when I get to the event. I don't like to drink on a fasted stomach. And number two, when you go to events, A, I never know what they're gonna serve or when they're going to serve it, right? So call time might be seven o'clock, but they might not serve any food until 8.30. It's uh, you know, some kind of 
carbohydrate-rich finger food that I don't want to eat. So I'll generally eat protein, you know, before I go to any event. Well, Todd, before we wrap up, anything else that you would like to add or go over? Advice to my younger self, more self-forgiveness. You know, just um, you know, do everything you can to preserve your health span and uh, have fun. Okay, well, Dry Farm Wines has decided to hook it up and has given us a link to get an extra bottle of wine in your first box when you sign up. So go ahead and use the link dryfarmwines.com slash on point to try it out today. Todd, before you go, we're going to play a quick little game. I play this on every podcast. It is called Taylor's Would You Rather. There's two options and you have three seconds to choose one or the other. Does that Let's make sense? Let's go. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. I was born ready, Taylor. Okay, here we go. Number one, would you rather only be able to drink red wine for the rest of your life or only white wine? Red. Would you rather drink a glass of your favorite wine every day or try a new wine every week? I'll try a new wine every week. Would you rather have an endless supply of inexpensive wine or a limited selection of high-end wine? As long as it's natural, I wouldn't care. Would you rather drink wine from a bottle or from a box? Bottle. Would you rather have a wine collection with rare and valuable bottles or a vineyard in your backyard? Vineyard. Okay, last one. Who would you rather drink a glass of wine with? Halle Berry or Nicole Kidman? Halle Berry. Ooh, that's kind of hard, but I know Halle Berry is a huge fan of dry farm wine. Plus, I just think she's infinitely more interesting. Well, Todd, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on this podcast and share your insight. I really enjoyed it, and I'll definitely be in touch with you. Thanks so much for having me. Our goal is to always give you the content you didn't know you needed to know and to make sure you're always on point. I'm Taylor Burke. Thank you for listening.